Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here today. I'm looking out my window. It's a beautiful day. We're getting a a break from this uh, pattern of rain, and that's nice. And I'm sitting here behind the South Carolina Garnet Blue Yeti microphone, sipping on some tea with the Word of God in front of me. It's going to be a great day, and I hope that you are ready to hear some more of God's Word. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4. Last week, we began studying the Sermon on the Mount. And we looked at the first beatitude uh, that Jesus mentioned there in, in that sermon. Now remember, this sermon is intended to encourage disciples to, to live differently than the rest of the world, right? He begins by telling them that there are character traits that he wants, he wants them to have, wants them to operate through. And if they'll do that, then he will, he will give in, given, he will give them a, a heavenly bliss, a happiness, and and that's opposite of what the world thinks. By the way, remember um, that the world sees these things as paradoxical; they make little sense. And 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 this is definitely the case for this beatitude this week. So read Matthew five four with me. It says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be." Comforted. Now again, this is another beatitude that sounds a little crazy. Those who mourn are going to be happy. That's what it says. And, 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 and they'll be happy because they mourned and they were comforted. That's just, that's weird teaching. That's like saying, let me hit you with a baseball bat because it's going to feel so good when it stops hurting. That makes very little sense to us and, until we look behind this teaching and take it in the, in the right context. So, so there's, there's three key terms in this passage that we need to, to grasp. The first one is that word blessed. That word blessed is makarios, and it means happiness from having God's favor. That, that means that, that you can be happy because you have peace with God. You have his, you have his favor. Things are good between you two. Well, in this passage, Jesus explains that happiness, godly happiness, not just worldly happiness, godly happiness cannot be found like the world finds its happiness. Remember, we talked about this last week. The world gains happiness by possessing things, by manipulating their surroundings. It is solely an external effort. And we don't find happiness that way. We find it, but we, we find happiness by believing that we are made in God's image and, and being true to that nature and doing what the indwelling Holy Spirit commands us to do. In short, <clears throat> we find long-lasting happiness from being a disciple, from being disciples. Now, now keep in mind, that's an internal effort. Like uh, Isaiah 66, 2 says, all things my hand, uh, all these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Those are internal qualities, humility, being contrite, trembling, fearing Lord. That's internal qualities. God will grant true happiness 
when we allow him to work on the inside of us, not when we work on the outside of us. That, that's why the social gospel is never going to work, because that's us trying to fix the outside instead of focusing on God trying to fix the inside. That's that's the meaning behind this blessedness. Now, the second word we've got to keep in mind is this word mourn, pentheo in the original language. That means to grieve. This is an, an intense sorrow over something. That word, that, that word mourn, that means to experience a, a deep grief. It's the picture of a man who has to bring flowers to his wife, you know, and he's on his knees and he's in tears because he did something idiotic. Guys, we know we, we've all been there. Usually that takes place after we lose our temper and say something that was really stupid, right? And, and we, so we come mourning that mourning that that sin against our our wives. And so I, I did a little research and I found that there's there's seven kinds of mourning. There's seven kinds of mourning. They're they're in three categories, but there's seven types. The first category is a natural mourning. It's it's what we naturally do. We mourn over loneliness. Like in Psalm 42. You know, David says, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? There is a mourning over being separated from people that we love. David recognized that as being separated from the Lord, but we do that with, with people too. A second kind of natural mourning is from being discouraged. You know, 2 Timothy 1, 3, and 4, Paul's talking here, and he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. David, I mean, Paul is 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 writing to this church who is suffering. They're, they're, they're suffering, they're discouraged, they're hurting. And David, I mean, Paul, I keep saying David, Paul is is hurting with them. And then there's a natural mourning that's over the loss of death. We know this. John 11.35 tells us that Jesus knew this. That verse says Jesus wept, right? So there's this loss, this grieving over over this loss. Now, that's the natural type mournings. Now, there's a couple of sinful mournings that are mentioned in the Bible. The first one is is um, is mourning because you're selfish. It's over selfishness. Like Ahab in 1 Kings 21 Four. He wanted he wanted Naboth Naboth's land, his vineyard, and he couldn't have it. Naboth wouldn't sell it to him, and so he was upset. And and so he you know he went to his room and he was sulking. And it says, and he laid down on his bed and turned away his face and would not eat. He was in mourning because he was being selfish over this land and he couldn't get it. He was being a toddler. Second type of sinful mourning is a mourning over guilt, over guilt, like in. Um, 2 Samuel 20, 33, David was, was losing his, well, he just lost his, his third child. And it's actually, it was his fourth child that, that had to suffer, but the, the third one to actually lose. He lost the baby. But let me back up. When, when, when God punished David because of his sin with Bathsheba, he said, it's going to return to you fourfold, right? And so his first one was the loss of the baby. And then the second one, was his daughter Tamar being molested, and then Amnon was killed, and then here in Second Samuel twenty, Absalom is killed, and so he is weeping. He he is mourning over the sins, the the losses because of the sin that he has he has committed. Now there's also a, a spiritual 
uh, category for mourning. Okay, Jeremiah um, was an example of this. He he mourned over the coming judgment. He knew what God was going to do in Israel. In Jeremiah nine one through three, he he talks about wanting to live in in a desert, in a lodging place, and, and get away from these people and get away from them. And that his eyes are fountain of tears. Very flowery speech in that passage, but he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming and he was mourning over that. And then the seventh type of mourning uh, is still under this this uh, idea of spiritual mourning is that we, we mourn over being a sinner, okay? Mourn over being a sinner, not just what David did. He was mourning because of his consequences. This is actually mourning because you have done something egregious against God. Matthew 5, 4 is, is the verse for today. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This, that's the seven types of mourning. And since this beatitude is stated in a spiritual context, it should be interpreted in the same spiritual context. So Jesus is talking about mourning over, over your sin, over an individual's sin. Now, I read in a commentary, one of the ones that I go to quite frequently, the Jameson Fawcett Brown Bible Commentary, and it said this about verse 5. Mourning is that entire feeling which the sense of our spiritual poverty begets. begets. And so the second beatitude is but the complement of the first. The one is intellectual and the other the emotional aspect of the same thing. So he mentions this first beatitude, the one that we studied last week, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is an intellectual response. I see my sin, right? I, I see my sin. I understand that that is sin. But the second one, to today's, um, today's beatitude, blessed are they that mourn, okay? That is that is, I see my sin and I'm grieving because I'm a sinner. So one's an in, the first one is an intellectual response. The second one is emotional response. Now, John MacArthur says there's four ways to deal with, with the grief from your sin. And three of them, the first three are, are not recommended. They're, they're bad ways. Then the last one's a good way. I want to share them with you. So the first way that people try to deal with their sin, the grief from their sin is to cover it up. Just drown it with laughter. They 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 plug into entertainment. They only watch um, funny shows and funny movies and, and funny TV, uh, uh, funny internet clips. You know they they want to tell the jokes and laugh and have a good time. And, and so they spend their time at places where where people are just laughing uncontrollably because they're they're even drunk maybe. So they they cover it up. They drown it. That that's a terrible way to deal with the grief from your sin. The second way is to try a, a self help fix. All right, you want to try to fix this bad behavior yourself. So the first one, you drown it. This one, you will it. You just, you're so strong-willed, you're never going to sin again. I'm not going to tell you right now, that does not help. You can set up all the systems you want to keep you from sin, and it does not help. You cannot will yourself away from sin. You just can't. So the third way that people wrongly deal with the grief from their sin is just give up and die. This is what Judas did. He just gave up and, and died. He, he said, I'm in this place. I'm never going to get out of this place. That's it. I, I'm just quitting. And, and he, we know what he did. He, he gave into it, right? So there's people who drown it. There's people who will it. There's people who just give up and, and give into it. But then there's a good way to deal with the grief from your sin. And that is to confess and repent of your sin and return to your father 
uh, return to your father with that mourning over your sin. Jesus is telling his disciples to do this last thing. Mourn over your sin. See the, the grief that it causes and, and let that drive you to confess and repent from your sin and drive you right into the arms of the father like that husband carrying those flowers on his knees, right? That's what we're, we're to do. And when we do that, the result of dealing with sin in that way is, is the third word that we have to understand today. And that's the word comforted. Parakaleo in the original language. That means to, to call one to, to one side for encouraging, consoling, uh, strengthening. This is the picture of, of a mom trying to console a crying child who's standing at her side when that child knows that only the comfort can come from the mom. And usually the mom's response is in, in a third person. You ever notice that? Oh, come tell mommy. You want mommy to kiss it? Come on. You want mommy to get you a cookie? You know, that's always done in third person, but they're comforted. They're comforted. So they shall be comforted means at some point in that mourning process, there will be comforted given by God. And usually that comes through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus referred to the, the, the Holy Spirit as comforter or in the original language, paraclete, the helper. He will call a repentant disciple to his side and tenderly deal with him with encouragement, consolation, and strengthening. Now, I want to reiterate, he does that with a repentant disciple, a mourning disciple. If someone refuses to do that, he may have to deal with them a little bit more um, more seriously, you know, a spiritual slap on the, on the head or something. So, but this kind of mourning, the one that brings comfort happens to those who are sincere in their repentance. Okay. So the point is you mourn and you greet, you, you get comfort, no mourning, no comfort, right? And, and if you are comforted, that is a blessing that will bring you happiness. Now, again, don't fake it. The Holy Spirit's going to eat your lunch if you try to fake this. Only truly repentant mourners are comforted by God. God question summarizes this passage this way. When we agree with God about how bad our sin is, we repent of it and seek his power to walk away from it. Jesus promises comfort from the Holy Spirit. The kind of mourning that leads to repentance is truly blessed. Repentance results in forgiveness and cleansing from God. When we've trusted in Jesus as our personal substitute for sin, we are no longer, we no longer stand condemned. Rather than wallow in guilt and shame, we realize that we stand justified before God. Those who learn to mourn over their sin find the heart of God and intimate fellowship with God is the very foundation of true happiness. How true that quote is. So if that's true and it's so good, why are people not doing this? Why are, why are people not mourning over their sin? Why are, they, why are they not receiving the comfort of God, choosing to receive that? Well, I've, I've done some more research. I've I've um, researched and found that there are seven things that keep people from mourning over their sin, okay? There's seven things that keep people from being comforted by God. The first one is simply elevated evil. Elevated evil, sin's no longer to be dismissed, it's to be experienced, and people revel in evil, kind of like, well, what happens at Mardi Gras? People are trying to get all of their behavior, bad behavior in before a season of Lent that they have to give up, right? And so... There's this elevated sense that evil is, is important right now. And when evil becomes good, there's no reason to mourn over it. 
Okay, so that's one reason people are, are not receiving the comfort of God and they're not mourning over their sin. The second is an arrogant assessment. I, I've not really been that bad is something that someone who's arrogant might say. Well, oh, really? Well, let's look at the Ten Commandments. Have you broken any of those? You have? Oh, well, then you're worse than you think. All right, let's look at the um, the, the great commandment. Let, let's look at at the... Um, you know, the, those things that God tells us in the New Testament on how to deal with other people with patience and kindness and love. Let's look at the fruits of the Spirit. Is there is there a true assessment there? Is there an arrogant assessment? You know, I'm really not that bad. And if you have that attitude, then why fix what's not broken, what you perceive to not be broken, right? So elevated evil, arrogant assessment. The third is debilitating despair. Debilitating despair. Why even try? I'm just a, I'm just a bad apple. I'm a bad person. If there is, if there's, if there's no hope that someone will ever be good enough, then why cry about it? Why not just, just die right there? Just accept, just accept that you stink at being good and, and just die being bad. That's what a lot of people do. They won't turn to mourning over their sin because they see no hope in fixing it. The fourth thing, the reason why people don't, don't, find the comfort of God in mourning over their sin is that they have an agony addiction. You know folks like this. They're, they're so down on themselves. You know, they say stuff like, I, I, be, I like being at the, the lowest point because at least I can't get any lower. Oh, woe is me. I used to have a pastor that, that people would say, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. And he'd say, what are you doing under those? What are you doing under the hair? That's ridiculous. But some people like that. They just live with lowered spiritual expectations so that they will not be, you know, upset or, or they don't have a, a chance of following any further. Well, let me tell you something. That type of, of lifestyle, the lifestyle with spiritual lower expectations, that causes spiritual laziness and people quit trying. They quit growing in their faith. And there's no need for mourning when, when you're not experiencing uh, the blessings of God. Why Why mourn over that? That's what an agony addict would do. The fifth, the fifth reason people are not seeking this is they're experiencing social separation. No one's holding them accountable. There's, there's no need to mourn over sin if no one cares enough to confront you about that sin, right? Uh, of course, that's the case. The sixth reason is that there's this amplified amusement in our culture. Amplified amusement. Everything has to entertain us. We can't do anything without being entertained. You listen to today's child, I am so bored, I'm so bored, there's nothing to do. Like There's there's a whole bunch of things to do outside. Just go have fun, you let your imagination, but entertainment has has come into this such a high priority that we have to be entertained at all costs. That's why we have to use our phone when we're eating. We have to use our TV when we're eating. We have to have the TV on in our office. We we got to be entertained all the time. And that's an escape mechanism. That's all that is, is an escape mechanism to get away from the pain of the things that, that are evil, of sinful in our lives. You know, we say laugh so you won't cry, right? That That's the thing. Well, not only that, that entertainment elevates evil. That's a, that's a cycle between those two. And so how do, how does the world entertain us? Well, they, they try to make everything, everything funny. Everything's got to be funny. Every commercial, the best commercials are funny. The, the, the best shows are funny. Everything has to be funny. And if we can take evil, if we can take sin and make it, make it something that's funny, which is just about every alternative 
uh, relationship there is on TV. That, that they're just hilarious. They're they're funny. We got to make it funny. And if everything's funny, if everyone's laughing, there's no reason to mourn, right? So that is a natural deterrent. And the last one, especially among Christians, is stifled sanctification. You've sinned so much that the Holy Spirit has stopped working until you hit bottom and you look at him again. There's no need to mourn sin when there's no conviction over it because the Holy Spirit has stopped, right? And that happens to Christians who get trapped into this, this worldly mindset of looking for, you know, looking for meaning, looking for happiness, a temporary happiness based on what the world can offer you. It will stifle the Holy Spirit. You will not be You'll not be convicted of those sins, and so there's no reason to mourn over them. So those are pretty big deterrents. Those are huge deterrents to keep someone from mourning and, and, and to keep them from returning to a sweet relationship with God. Well, I know in the Scripture there are some things that we can do to avoid those deterrents, right? Uh, the first one is, is simply study sin in the scripture. Just study sin in the scripture. You got to understand what sin is. You got to understand what it does. You got to understand the consequences of it. You got to look at it in scripture. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says that all scripture is breathed out by God is profitable for teaching. Listen to this, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we have to study We got to study what the scripture says about our sin. And when we do that, we're more apt to mourn over it. Secondly, pray for a repentant, a a, a penitent perspective. Okay. Ask God to burden you about your sin. There's nothing wrong with that. God, I don't want to do this anymore, but I can't stop. Would you give me a bad taste for that? Would, would you allow me not to, to be able to not stomach that? Would you cause some physical reaction when I'm confronted with this sin? There's nothing wrong with praying that. Ask him to give you a new view, a new outlook on your sin. Because the truth is, your mind has to be changed. Your mind has to be changed and set on something else. That's why Romans 12, 2 is so important to us. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pray that God will renew your mind and give you a new penitent perspective. And thirdly, consider the cross of Christ. And this is the most powerful way with dealing with these deterrents that keep you from mourning over your sin and receiving the comfort of God. Consider the cross of Christ. When you see your, see the, the outcomes of your sin, you might not want to partake in them. See them inflicting a little more pain on the suffering of Christ. Remember Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was cr- crushed for our iniquities. That might be one that we want to memorize. And every time we're confronted with that sin, we remember he was pierced for that activity. He was crushed for that activity, for that thought. And that alone will drive you to mourning over sin and maybe even to avoid it. Well, let me just ask you a question. How are you doing with, with mourning over your sin? I mean, how, how's your mourning go? Not mourning as in daytime, but mourning as in grieving over your sin. What, let me ask you this. Is there a, a litmus test to determine if you're really mourning over your sin? I'd say, yeah, there is. There's a few questions you can ask yourself to see if you really have the right, if you really have the the right mindset about your sin. One is, are are you super sensitive to sin? Or, Or does it not bother you at all? Can you watch it on TV and when that sin comes up, it doesn't bother you at all? 
there's a, a pretty good clue that you're not mourning over sin. Secondly, do you do you laugh? Do you laugh when you see evil on media outlets? When you see those alternative lifestyles, when 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 you see someone dying in, in a way that maybe the world would say is justified, do you see that? Does that does that entertain you? Or if you are grieving over your sin, does that does that grief, does that regret come from a, a humble heart about your sin or, or about the the consequences of your sin? Do, do you try to fix that behavior or, or do you desire for God's forgiveness? That is a great question. Do, do you try to fix your behavior or do you want God to forgive you for that behavior? And finally, when, when you do mourn, when, when you do repent, does God give you a hope following that confession? If not, then he knows that your confession is not true. It's not real because he always ends with a hope. Remember last week's dissert, uh, last week's sermon about the dispensations, how God interacts with those four things through each of the seven dispensations. And the last one is the giving grace, giving hope. Does God deal with you by giving hope when you come with a repentant heart? Is that there? Look, here's, here's the main idea. The only way to be blessed with lasting happiness and the comfort of God is to mourn about your sin. Mourners who mourn over their sin can receive God's given inside out happiness because they're forgiven, because they've drawn and they're, now they're close to God and God's giving them comfort. So I, I close with a, um, a phrase from Pastor Dave Stanford. So grieve a good grief, a godly grief for sin. That is a grief that leads to repentance, a change that leads to rightness and a blessedness in life. And I hope that's an encouragement for you today. Take some of those things and apply them to your lives and allow this mourning to well up inside of you about your sin. And that will cause you to sin less and the mourning will be less and the happiness, eternal happiness, blessed spiritual blessedness in God because of his comfort is going, to be, is going to be more evident in your life. I encourage you to do that. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that everyone who's listening today will know what it means and understand and participate in mourning over their sin. They will come to the realization that this is what indeed caused Christ to die. This is indeed what caused us to be separated from you in the first place. God, I ask that you will bring this to our thoughts all day long and will commit our lives to you anew and afresh. Help us to change our minds about our sin and come to you with a true repentant heart. And I know that you'll comfort and bless us because your word says that you will. Thank you for this word today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Hope that was a blessing to you. I'm going to start an online conversation. Simply email me at mike at fbcclover.com. I'll be glad to pray with you about anything or discuss anything with you. But until we come back next week with the next uh, beatitude, have a great week. Be blessed and remember that God is very much pro you when you are living according to his will. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. 
For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.